calling all. Tommy, could I have my phone, please? Thank you, Pat. Good morning, all. It's good to see you all. Good morning to all those watching online. It's great to see you. And if even my friend Daryl is watching from Canada, you can continue to watch. We allow it. But uh, it's good to see you all. You all well? It's wonderful to worship the Lord. It really is. Really, really is. And uh, it's good to see you all, even those I don't know. It's good to see you too. And um, yeah, so we're coming up on Easter and we've been in a series about the blood of Jesus. But before we get back into that, I wanted to quickly share with you, um, we had a testimony come through from um, a young lady, well, someone's daughter. And uh, I don't want to give it publicly because I haven't asked her. I always seem to be in this predicament. But we have testimonies come through every week. And I think I read this one out last week as well, but she was diagnosed with a skin condition on her face. And uh, after the first week of preaching on the blood of Jesus, and you could see it, it, it was very painful, swollen and so forth. And, um, and so she heard the message on the blood of Jesus and faith just came into her heart. So that night when her daughter went to bed, she just went into the bedroom and prayed for her daughter, just simply put her hands on her face and said, you know, the blood of Jesus heals you, something like to that nature. And uh, within 24 hours, you know, it was gone, and, uh, which is awesome, you know. And, uh, and it had been there for, I think, a month or two months, I'm not sure, eight weeks, and nothing was helping. And um, so, you know, you follow up with it, you hear that, because I hear a lot of testimonies, and I, some I hear with wonderful hearts, but before they're finished, you know. And, uh, and so I followed up with it, and um, it was such a... Uh, a long st it's such a, it's so happened <laughs> that it's uh, it's not come back nothing's changed so the daughter got excited and I got photos this week from before and after and uh, it's just you know that's how you know when it's just the real deal when a young person's like please you know I want you know so I saw all the, the face before and I saw the face after and I'm looking at all these photos and I'm just thanking the Lord isn't that wonderful our God is good amen amen you know, I'll tell you something funny. Uh, just sometimes I just like to share a little bit of stories about my family. It's just good to share ourselves and our lives together, yeah? So growing up in a pastor's home, which I did, and uh, I know what this is like, but the other week, a couple of weeks ago, it just made me laugh. I'm praying for someone up here, and I'm laying hands on them, and I'm praying for something. Uh, I can't remember who or what it was, but I'm praying for someone. And, you know, I just drank coffee, so sometimes when I do that, I don't want to put my breath in their face. That's not pleasant. So I just, like, lay hands on them, but I'm, you know, their head is faced that way, my head is faced this way. So I'm praying for them like this. And uh, my little son, they don't get screens. We don't have video games and stuff, and, and if you do, that's great. I'm sure we will have them at some point. But uh, we just don't have any of that. We have none of that in our home. And, so, but we, and we allow them to play, like, on cell phones or, or iPads or stuff once a week. And that's for, you know, a little bit on Sunday. So Sunday is like there, they look forward to it. And so, you know, he comes after the service and he's grabbed my phone. He's been waiting and he's holding my phone. Now my eyes are closed. You know, we train people to pray with their eyes open, but sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So I'm praying for this person. It's intense. They're crying, the whole deal. And I feel this tap on my leg. And you know, face recognition? So... It doesn't work. It doesn't work if your eyes aren't open, right? So he's holding my phone like this, and he like t 
taps me on the leg and I open my eyes and he does this and then he runs off. It's awesome. Thanks, Tommy. I just had to share that. I was, I was almost impressed. I was like, what just happened? And he's happy. Off he goes. Such is life in ministry, right? Yeah. You know, just so you know, if my children come up to us, uh, my wife or I, I wasn't going to share this, but I thought I will, and they kind of, to you, it'll feel like an interruption if they come up to us while we're praying for you. Please just give us grace to take a break because, you know, sometimes by Sunday morning, I haven't seen them for a while because I've been here Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we've told them, if ever you come up to us, we'll give you the, we'll give you the time. And so they come up and they just put their hand on us, and so we may stop and just give them attention, just if you can give us grace, that'll be great. So, uh, the precious blood of Jesus, isn't it good? It's wonderful. I trust the series has been helpful to you so far. Um, I've had a lot of reports and feedback. I said something that could be taken the wrong way, and, um, and I hope you don't take it the wrong way. The charismatic renewal was a very powerful move of God, but I was, one of the elders said to me this morning, say that again. So I will. Before the charismatic renewal, which was awesome and wonderful, but the, sometimes when God moves powerfully, then something can happen in the following years that, you know, becomes a focus that was not necessarily his intention. Sorry, Steve, could you make sure the lower number of that thermostat is at 69? Otherwise, if it's set at 80, we will all just cook in here. And I do it every week, and I just forgot. But, but unfortunately, to, in some areas, not all areas, in some areas... What happened was the focus became all on the gifts. And uh, when the focus becomes all on the gifts, then uh, man is the center. But before all of that, which is good, God restored the truth. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. People went to the blood of Jesus for hundreds of years for power. Because that's where the power is contained, in the blood of Jesus Christ. So, first week, the, the, the series has been the same, the precious blood of Jesus. Sorry, I keep opening my Bible because I don't know why. It's just out of habit. And, um, but I spoke about the, the subtitle, in a sense, was Redemption last week. Also, Not Without Blood, then Redemption last week. This week, we're going to speak about hyssop. And so, we're going to start in Leviticus 16. And we're just going to read it to you. It should come up behind you. But before we do, can we pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you so loved the world that you sent your son to die, that whoever should believe in him shall have eternal life and we thank you for that lord we thank you for your power we thank you for your love we thank you for who you are we thank you that you are who you are besides us despite us you don't need us and yet you love us god you are good and we love you and we approach your word as we always do with a contrite heart with an open heart with a heart that says, Holy Spirit, we honor you for this word is God-breathed, as it says in Timothy. And so we go to the word with you, Holy Spirit, and we say, speak to us, change us, transform us, conform us, shift us, bring revelation, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Leviticus 16. It says, yeah, I'm just going to teach on a few quick things that I wanted to just mention, and then we'll get into hyssop. 
But Leviticus 16, it says, verse 14 to 19, um, actually I'll just read verse 14. He shall take some of the blood, now this is, the context is the high priest in the Old Testament on the day of atonement when he would go into the most holy place and atone for the people. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger. Can we say finger? finger. Great. By the way, we're going to do that today, just so you know. And if you're online, you should try it too. It works. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to make you guys, I'm going to ask you guys to partner with me. With his finger on the mercy seat on the east side and before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Now, this was the shadow, the pattern, the type on the earth. The real is in heaven. Do we agree? That's what the Bible teaches. But it says he shall sprinkle with his finger. You know this term finger, you see in the Bible the term the finger of God. And the finger of God is used most of the time when the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light come together and the, the finger of God comes about to completely overthrow the enemy. With the, the finger wrote on the wall with Daniel. It was the finger of God. The finger of God it was said that wrote the law and the stone. It was the finger of God that said delivered with all the power, the signs and wonders and miracles in Egypt to deliver them out of Egypt. The Bible says this was the work of the finger of God. And Jesus in Luke 11, he says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, whom do your sons cast them out? And so the finger of God is the power, the dominance, the authority, the rule of God when it impacts, boom. And the one authority, the inferior authority, always falls. And it's, it's the power of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the demonstration of the Spirit in power and signs, wonders, miracles, authority. is the finger of God. Now it says the high priest would sprinkle the blood with his finger. Who's our high priest? Jesus. The finger of God, the finger of Christ, is the power of the Spirit. See, why does this matter? It's, it's a strange verse in Hebrews 9 that says... I don't think I have it here, but it says he offered himself through the eternal spirit on the cross. And that's like a strange way to, 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 to hear that. But in other words, the Holy Spirit was involved in the application of the blood of Jesus, the finger of God, the application on the mercy seat, which is in heaven. Our high priest went in there and the Holy Spirit was involved. The power of the spirit was involved in the application of the blood, in the power of what Jesus was doing was the finger of God at work. Isn't that interesting? Because we try, unfortunately, with our mind, we sometimes take the Holy Spirit out of things. He was right there. He was there at the cross. And when the blood of the application of the blood is always in partnership with the Holy Spirit. You know, in the Azusa Street Revival, um, 100 years ago, now almost 120 years ago, one of the main things that they preached on was how the Spirit of the Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus flow together. Because wherever the blood is applied, the Spirit will chase that down and want to move in power. I don't have time to get into that today. I wish I did. But you go read about it in, Levit in Leviticus 14. They would apply blood on a person and then follow it up with oil. The Spirit follows the blood. Amen? Yeah. So, Leviticus 17. We read this last, the next chapter. We read this a lot in the last few weeks. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So the life of the flesh, the life within that flesh thing, whether it was an animal, whatever it was, the life is contained in the blood. 
Okay, so I know we've gone over this, so I'm not going to go over it again, but the life of God himself was in the blood of Jesus, because he was the word made flesh, and the life is in the flesh, and the very life, the creative life and the power of God was in Jesus Christ. That's why it says, and that word life in the flesh is also the word soul. So when you bleed out, you die. That's why it says, he poured out his soul, his blood, the life that was in it, unto death. Because it's a life for a life. His life for your life. And not just his life like he died physically. The vitality, the energy, the power, the creative power, the life of God in Christ for your life. And he trades them. I will give you my, I have come to give life, he said. I have life in my hand to give, John 10. I have come to give you life and life abundantly. He did that through the cross because the life of the flesh is in the blood and I've given it to you upon the altar. His altar for mankind was the cross. Are we good? So, so we went over a little bit of this. What did we touch on? Why does the power, why does the blood have power? Wherein does the power of that blood lie? We talked about that in its legal power, in its value, in its value system. Just a bit of recap. If I was Derek Prince, he would talk about recapitulation. That's the whole word, recap. And it's actually very, very important. If you've ever had children, you know you say it. If you say it one time, brush your teeth every morning and they do it forever, you are an incredible parent. It's not going to happen. You say it and you say it and you say it and you say it. Yeah, recapitulation. You're still saying it. No. What has the blood accomplished? Well, we went over this last week, but a simple way to say it, Billy Graham said, the blood of Jesus has satisfied God completely. The blood of Jesus has saved sinners completely. And the blood of Jesus silences the devil always. Very simple way to remember it. So, but in order to understand what the blood has accomplished, we looked at what the scriptures say about the blood. So I'm going to quickly touch one more on subject there. Um, and then we'll move on to today. Job 1.10. Who's ever prayed for anybody who says, you know, <laughs> maybe, mm. <laughs> they say religion quotes half a verse. You know, and it's true. You know, and, uh, and what I mean by that is people just sometimes pray things or say things, or, but they don't, where does it come from? What's the context? There's no, there's no understanding. There's no authority behind it. If you pray for someone, Lord, just put a hedge of protection around them. And sometimes I want to ask, do you know what that means? Do you know what you're asking? Do you know what you're doing? Well, Job 1 talks about this. The devil now speaking to the Lord, and because the Lord was bragging about his son Job. And Job was one of the first books written, in, well, it was the earliest chronological book ever. But it says, because Job lived before Moses. But it says here, have you not made a hedge around him and around his household, around all that he has on every side, you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Those five things. That's what the hedge of protection had done around Job. Those five things. Now, that now is the blood of Jesus has done that. That's what we need to understand. That is our, that is our hedge of protection. You know, I've prayed for many people over the years, and you'd be surprised especially some of you in this room, how many times I'll pray for a person that's sick or something and they say, well, you know, the Lord has put this on me to, in a sense, improve my character. And, and I was what? No. But often the theological reason they give or what they were taught was, well, look at Job. Look at the book of Job. Look at the story of Job. We prayed for a gentleman out on the street, me and one of the youth when I was leading youth. 
and we pray for him, and he said, no, this is my affliction, because, you know, like Job. And, you know, you want to you wanna love and punch the person at the same time? You're like, no, you are incorrect. And so I went to the book of Job to say, Lord, show me. Show me, I need to understand, I need to be able to explain this to people without, you know, because people, some people, it has to be in the Bible, which I think is great. An unbeliever, if there's power, they don't ask you, but a Christian wants to know. And I came to Job 9, verse 33 and 34. This is not in my notes, so we're in trouble. But, and it says, his friends are telling him, curse God, because things are happening, and like us, everyone's getting offended because God's not doing what I tell him to do. <laughs> So we get all mad and upset. And they say, well, curse God. And he says, who am I but a man that I should speak to God? For there is no mediator between us who holds his hand in mine. So right there, what happens in the book of Job doesn't apply to us. It's good, but it's not to us because we have a mediator. His name is Jesus Christ. Yeah? Isn't that powerful? And so the blood of Jesus is... When you say a hedge of protection, you're talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. We just don't know that. And what does it cover? What does it do? It protects you, the Bible says, your household, all that you have on every side. That's your possessions, the work of your hands, your finances, your career, your influence. That's what it does. So the blood protects. I'll go through this quickly. The blood, if you look at Exodus 12 and the Passover, which we're going to look at extensively today, it provides a means of deliverance. It was the blood that broke them out of slavery. And it still provides a means of deliverance if you're saved. Further freedom and further freedom and further freedom. Just yesterday, there were some people ministering over some people in the, in the offices there. And uh, again, I, I, I'm not trying to justify, but you may be new to this, but People have demons. And in the Great Commission, cast out demons. And so they were doing that, and I could hear, I'm praying and preparing in my study, and I hear this, this stuff, and I smile. I grew up with that, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that thing's got to come out. And you know what it says, and this may freak you out, but this is what happened yesterday, less than 24 hours ago. I heard it, oh, not the blood, not the blood. Because it knows. It can never lose, ever. It provides a means of deliverance, both salvation and ongoing freedom in any area. The blood promises us a new day. You know, at the Passover, it says, from today, this will now be the beginning of months for you. In other words, from the moment of your freedom, that's when your time starts. Your whole calendar starts now from freedom. And you go look at Exodus, that's what happened. This shall be a beginning of months. This shall be the beginning of your calendar from when freedom begins because of the blood. <laughs> and it provides a witness. The blood always provides a witness. What do I mean by that? Imagine you were these Israelites and there's strangers and aliens or maybe some Egyptians that you're kind of friends with, I don't know, and they're living in the land of Goshen and they're like, what do you have to do? Say, what now? Kill a little sheep? And take it and do spread blood. That's weird, man. What do you, you know, my dad's, my, you know, he's speaking to the children. My dad's weird. He's killing a sheep and he's doing this weird thing. You know, let's be real. Imagine how they got mocked. Imagine, what are you doing? You guys are like Noah. Until the next day. 
now provides a witness. Please tell me about your God that saved your life and your family and your children and gave you all the wealth of Egypt and plundered their goods and drove you. Okay, speak to me. I want, I want, to, I want to understand. The blood will always provide a witness, an opportunity for you to share in power. Look what God has done. Amen? So, we can know this truth here, but how do I apply this truth? How do I appropriate this truth? How do I take this truth, this reality, this here, the blood and the body, has, has, it covers everything. How do I take that and, and make it real for my life? Do I need to adjust something, Noah? Okay, sorry. The boss, the boss is the sound guy. You know they're the boss, because they can go meeting over. So they're the boss. So how do I take this and appropriate it? That's the third question, and I never... We know, I said I would get to it, so today we're going to do that. So let's go to Exodus 12, if you can, in your Bibles. If you have a physical Bible, good on you. If you don't, you're forgiven. Push the buttons and do what you need to do, or you can read it behind us. In 1 Corinthians 5, it actually talks about Jesus as the Passover lamb. Yeah? It says Jesus is our Passover lamb, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So let's go to Exodus, verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, Here it is, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, in other words, if they don't have the money, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. In other words, no one goes unprovided for. God just made, he saw to that. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, firstborn. Sounds very similar, Jesus. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day. So when did they start? The 10th day. So you go on the 10th day, you get your lamb, and then you have it the 11th, 12th, 13th, and then 14th day, you kill it. So how many days did it live with them? Three. How many years of ministry? Jesus. Three. And then death. Everything points to Christ. And he lived with them. Imagine your little son. We have a story where my dad, I was 14, my dad took us up into Zimbabwe, into places that had never seen, don't be offended, never seen a white face. I mean, talking rural, crazy out there. Slept on the floor, on the sand, there's no house. I mean, we went out there, my dad pioneered all this stuff into all these regions. It was amazing. And I went with him the one time, and my sister made friends with these little goats, you know. And then the next morning, we ate one of them. And she didn't know that. You know, and she spent days holding it and carrying it around. You know, that's what happened here. Three days, oh, little lamb. It has a, a sense of, I don't want to do this. But, you know, Jesus, the Passover lamb. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month in the house with you, in a sense. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they, what it? Eat it. What's that pointing to? Communion. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. 
Verse 22 says it this way. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of your house until evening. So it points to the cross, the two posts and the lintel, and you shall strike it. You shall do this. Now, what did they apply it with? Hyssop. But we see, which we'll get into, but we see what here. We see obedience and grace. The two together, always. Why? Was it their blood? No. What is in the blood that's needed? Life. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I need life for a life. So take the life in a sense and use the life in another. The life of Jesus for your life. That's called grace, unmerited favor. Was, were they inspected at all? Did an angel go in and say, let me look at this marriage. Let me look at these children. Let me look at this household. Let me look, how are you behaving right now? You know, think about it, friends. They could have been doing anything in that house. The angel didn't look at that. He looked for the blood. Not at the behavior, the blood. Is there blood? Where's the blood? They could have been fighting, arguing in the house. Angel wasn't, the Lord wasn't concerned with that. Is there blood there? And then he looks at the quality of the blood. Was it a firstborn? Was it the firstborn son? Was it without spot and blemish? If not, that's what God looks for. Is the blood there? That's it. That's called grace. His sinless life placed upon you. Then there's obedience. You've killed this lamb. The blood is precious. It's in the basin. What happens? The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. What happens if they take the blood and just, you know, like I did the first week. Look at this blood. I have here in the basin. Well, you can bathe in it if you want to. But if it wasn't put on the doorpost, if they didn't obey about the blood, doesn't all the lamb slain, but the blood has to be applied. And what if you did that and then left the house? Grace, not your blood, not your life, someone else for you in the house and apply the blood. Grace and obedience. Grace and obedience. You see, you look at 1 Peter. He understood this as a Jewish person. 1 Peter 1 verse 1 to 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims, of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, which is modern-day Albania. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. For obedience and grace. Obedience and blood. The two together. Amen? So... How were they to get the blood from there to the doorpost? What did they use? Shout it out. Hyssop. Okay, we're getting there. Now, hyssop. What is hyssop? I said it's a weed. It was a weed, a disinfecting thing. And friends, it was something that was not important. It was common. It was everywhere. There was no importance to it. It was, in a sense, I think Derek Prince said it was the most humble of plants. It was a nothing. It didn't mean anything to anybody. It couldn't save anyone. It, it was nothing. 
But all of a sudden, that which is not important, has no value, has no nothing to offer, all of a sudden, without it, you die. Do we see that? All of a sudden. What is our hyssop? <laughs> How do we take the blood and apply it? Faith. Because, we'll, we'll discuss it in a moment, but what is it? What do we do? You know why? Because it'll be the same. It'll be something that we don't think is really, really, is it that? It's, it's not really that important. It's well, let's look. Revelations 12, 11. We all know it. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. Now, the context here is speaking about the devil and people on the earth. So, and they overcame him. Who's they? Us. Say us. us. Who's him? Satan. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. And I wish I could talk about that. But very simply, that's commitment. You see, the most important thing for the people in the New Testament was not whether they lived or died. It was the word of God. Because they understood the fear of death is gone. Please hear me. They understood fear of death is gone. I'm not afraid to die. The devil is only afraid of Christians when they start to understand, I'm not afraid to die. Because the fear of death, those are the type he doesn't like. Because even in death, they win. Every time, they win. You know, this, this, this phrase that the devil is, identity is our word. It's this Bible's word. I walked in Starbucks the other day and they said to me, what do you identify as? And I... I I said, what do you mean? I, mean, I didn't understand. He said, well, you're from Africa. I don't, I don't care. I was like, I just didn't understand, to be honest. And the, 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 the enemy has taken this word identify, identity, and has ruined it, twisted it, corrupted it. The Bible says we identify with the burial, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. With the death, burial, resurrection. That's what I identify with. That's what I identify with. Now, that's what you identify with. Identity is our word. And it's been corrupted and twisted and polluted. And when you have believers who are so operating in the self-life, the life that came from the garden, from sin, so operating the self-life, everything is actually about self-preservation, but then we pray for glory. <laughs> Instead of whether I live or die is not important to me. What's important to me, if you kill me, I win. I don't care about that. Many people have... What's important to me is the will of God on the earth. Let your kingdom come. How? Let your will be done. That becomes everything. It was everything to them. Everything. If you flog us, Jesus wins. We worship. You kill us, Jesus wins. You don't kill us, Jesus wins. It was, it was everything to them. So that you overcome, yes, but they did not love their lives unto death. It showed the position of the heart. My life is not the most important. 
That also wasn't in the notes. <laughs> our hyssop, friends, is our testimony. And I'm not talking about how you got saved and what God has done in your life. That word testimony means testifying. It actually means to testify as in a court. And yes, it's faith. You apply it with faith. But it's specifically our testimony, our words, what we testify. And I'll show you. How do I know this? Hebrews 3. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Christianity is called the great confession. Confession. You know what confession means? To say the same thing as. That's what confession means. Jesus Christ is the apostle and our high priest. The high priest that would go in and atone for, with the finger of God, the high priest with his blood who walked into the most holy tabernacle forever. That high priest, Jesus Christ, of our confession. Look about this. Hebrews, I'm uh, sorry, Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Who knows that verse? Okay, say this. By grace, by grace. through faith. Everything in the Christian life. By grace, By faith. through faith. But what did that faith look like on the outside? Well, let's read Romans 4. I mean, Romans 10. For Christ is the end of the law. For right, actually, you know what? I'm going to skip through this. Actually, I won't. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. In other words, the law, the salvation in the Old Testament through the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. So that's how we get saved. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live, with, shall live by them. That's of the law. But the righteousness of faith, that's how we get saved, speaks, speaks. In this way, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is, in a sense, to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into, above, into the abyss. That is, which is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? What does our what does our um, the righteousness of faith say. The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. By grace... Not your blood, not your life. Through faith. What did that faith look like? Testify. You are, you are saved by grace through faith, not, by, not of your own works, but it is a gift from God. Ephesians 2.8. So it says you're saved by grace through faith. Romans 10 tells you, what did that faith look like on the outside? The, the heart believes and the mouth speaks. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and they're testifying. So, are you still with me? Jesus said, just to nail this into the, really nail it down. By your word you will be justified, by your word you will be condemned. By your words. Are you hot in here or is it just me? Just me? Okay. All right. I'll give way. <laughs> yeah. By your words you will be justified. By your words you will co be condemned. James said, your tongue, James 3, your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. 
It's not very important. It's small. It's like hyssop. It's tiny compared to the rest of the body. You don't go into the gym and see a guy. You see them, you know, they're standing. You don't go and say, huh, look at my nice tongue. <laughs> Never in my life. You see, the, the tongue steers the course of your life. Think about that tiny little rudder, this massive ship, hundreds of tons, tens of thousands of pounds, steered by a little rudder, which is what? Your tongue. Your tongue depicts the course of your life. Your words determine your destiny. Your words. I can show you a future by just listening to what you say. And honestly, I'm not, but complaining is demonic food. It just feeds it. When you complain and complain, they're just like, mm, mm, mm. that's literally what it's like in the spirit realm. Doesn't mean you cannot say when you're having a hard time, but that's different to complaining. The first thing you say when you wake up, do yourself a favor and check the first half an hour, what do I say every day? I did that two years ago. It shocked me. Let's nail it further down. Psalm 107, I give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord think so. Oh no, say so. So they're saved, but let them speak. Whom, has, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Sometimes our speech, I'm not talking word of faith, I'm not talking anything that you've been hurt by or confused by. No, just listen to what I'm saying today. Don't put all these other contexts in it. Sometimes we don't understand, but we start with obedience. Look at Abraham as an example. God says, You're changing my, I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham. The word ha added in there is the fifth letter for the Hebrew alphabet is grace. Hey, he puts grace in his name. And he says, all right, this is your name. You know what it means? Father of all nations. Sarai to Sarah, which means mother of all nations. So every day... Abraham, come make the food. Abraham, do this. Sarah, mother of all nations, mother of all nations. Then no, she's not a mother. Every day, father of all nations, father of all nations. He's not a father yet. The confession every day. So they were saying that. He didn't understand it. He tried to make it happen. You know, he had something on the side and made a mess of it. And, but still, father of all nations. Then slowly understanding begins to come, faith begins to arise, and then it becomes a reality. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes you speak before it ever happens, before you even understand. Revelation is important. Revelation is so important. Because why? The overflow of the heart, Matthew 12, 34, I think it is, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can tell what's in your heart by what you say. Out of the overflow of the heart. The mouth will speak what's in the heart. So, Jack Hayford. So, we're going to look at this quickly. But Jack Hayford, can I read you a quote? I think it will come up behind me. Because what will happen is a person will hear me with what I'm about to do and what we're about to do. We're going to do some speaking in a moment. And it's a statement. And we're going to make some statements because our hyssop is our tongue, is our faith, which is our confession, which is our testifying, okay? So then, but our whole life speaks this way. 
complaining, bitterness, whatever. Our whole life goes this way, and then we come and someone says, oh, we'll just say this. And we're like, okay, I'll say this. And we share a little bit of the blood of Jesus. Well, it didn't work. That's like magic. People think, well, if I say the right thing, stand in the right way, put my hand on the, on the person in the right, then I'm going to just say some words. And, no, that's, that's a magical formula. That's not birthed from revelation in the heart that overflows. If the heart you believe overflows out of the mouth, I speak. That's very different. Jack Hayford said it like this, pleading the blood of Jesus is not a superstitious application of a magic formula of words. Rather, a spiritual dynamic is being applied. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than both the energy of our own humanity, that's physical energy, and that of our adversary. The power that saves is also the power that releases, delivers, neutralizes the enterprises of hell and the weakness of the flesh. That's the old nature. The appropriation, the application of the power of the blood in tough situations is intended for every believer in Christ to know, to understand, and to employ. It is important that we understand the reason for the words we use so they do not become a formula. Otherwise, one of two things will happen, and we've all seen this. I've preached on this blood stuff before. It's central to everything. And then, oh, I'm in trouble today. You know, there's some who just run around, and it causes more fear in them than joy in life. Everything that happens, oh, and everything is the blood of Jesus, blah, 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 and it, it, it can become weird. Hello? Because it's like magic. And when something goes wrong, we didn't do it right. Now it's fear what is actually supposed to set free. Why? Revelation. Here. Either what we say becomes a superstitious exercise in which we are depending on the words rather than understanding the understanding that gives the words their power. Or some people will not use words related to the blood of Jesus because they don't understand the spiritual dynamic, leaving them, the people, without a resource that they desperately need. We must get revelation, friends. That's why I went over the words. What does the Bible associate with blood? Cleansing. And we're going to go over them again today by the grace of God, but we won't be much longer. So let's backtrack. How do we live, question three, that we're going over today, in the reality of what the blood of Jesus has won. How? Okay? We recognize it needs application. Don't leave it in the basin. It needs application. Now, if you're saved, you've already applied it to some degree. We'll get, we'll get into that. We recognize that we have to, we have a personal a hyssop in the New Testament. Okay? And it's something that is easily overlooked, that people think surely not, is not really important until God said it was important. And th this is our testimony. Are testifying. Derek Prince said it like this, and I want you to say this with me. Let me say it first, then you can say it. We overcome Satan when we testify personally because it's confession. What does confession mean? To say the same thing is. We overcome Satan when we testify personally to what the Word of God says the blood of Jesus does. Let's try this together. You repeat after me. We overcome Satan when we testify personally to what the Word of God says, the blood of Jesus does. Confession, I say the same thing as. 
That's your hyssop. And then the destroyer comes to your life. He says, I can't touch him. Him, his household, his family, his finance, his career, his possessions, his assets, I can't touch him. Not because of their behavior. Oh, I must have done something wrong. God's mad. No, stop thinking like that. <laughs> the blood's just in the basin. And we're showing everyone how pretty it is. Look at this blood. I got it. I got so much of it. <laughs> Apply it. Okay. We're going to do this. So, we looked at some of this last week. Redemption. Bible, Ephesians 1. Colossians, all over, 1 Peter 1, 8, uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 18 to 19, the precious blood of Jesus, not with things corruptible, but with things incorruptible, and talks about the precious blood of Jesus by which you were redeemed. Okay, so redemption is by the blood. I have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Psalm 107, we read it. The Lord has redeemed me out of the hand of the enemy. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever said this out loud? Not just when lies come, all the time. I say it often. Because my confession, hello? So, for example, have you ever actually said, just as an example, the blood of Jesus has redeemed me. You will find when you start to speak, sometimes I pray for a person and I'll say, say this. I forgive this person. They go, I forgive this person. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Say, all of a sudden, they break down. Because we're in this world where so many things are thrown at us, we don't actually know how to attach our heart to something. We just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's the most accurate message you've ever heard. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we just, Josh, Josh almost made me do it again. We just go through the motions. In the heart you believe, and with your mouth you confess. What does the Bible call that? Faith. Have you ever said, the blood of Jesus has redeemed me, I've been taken out of the hand of the enemy, and placed in the hand of the Lord, and according to John 10, I pray this, when I walk, I walk every day, I pray. And John 10 says, that nothing will snatch me out of the Father's hand, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. Have you ever said that? Well, let's say it now. Seriously. You know why? Right now, you are doing something which is taking something called a spiritual dynamic and you're applying something. Now, you can go home and do it in your own words. I encourage you, go look at all the words which we can give you. Redemption, reconciliation, cleansing, all these words that the Bible associates with blood. And go look at them. I've done this, and I studied them, and I looked at them. It's not me earning anything. I want to appropriate it more and more. And I know I'm already under the blood. I know I'm going to heaven. I know I have peace with God. But I can know it here, but when I don't feel it, what do I do? I do this. Over and over sometimes. So, repeat after me if you can, and if you want to. The blood of Jesus... Has redeemed, me. has redeemed me. I have been taken out of the hand of the enemy and placed in the hand of the Lord. Nothing will snatch me out of the hand of my Father, for I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed. 
Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Now say that when the enemy lies. I've been redeemed. Redeemed means purchased. You'll know that because you would have gone and done this amazing study, which I'm so excited for you to do. I've purchased the price paid. You have no access to me. I don't belong to you. I'm not a slave of sin anymore. I've been rescued. I've been redeemed. Okay. What else does it say? Cleansing. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. How do you know? <laughs> What's the outward evidence that a person's walking in the light with the Lord? How they treat one another. People like, oh no. <laughs> Isn't there another scripture that says the opposite? <laughs> you know? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, hear me. You'll get preacher A who says, that's a one-time thing. And that's great. And it is and it isn't. You'll get preacher number A who says, that's unto salvation one time. Jesus even said to the disciples, you talked about pruning. He says, but you have no need that anyone should prune you because I've already washed you. So you get people that will say, it's a one time. You're saved. If you're saved, you're saved. And that's true. That's true. And then you will get preacher number B. That says, you have to confess every sin you've ever done, otherwise it's not forgiven. And they take it to another extreme. I've heard both. And so God's people go from every wind and wave of doctrine. I will say this, this preacher, and you have to decide this in your own heart. All I know is this. I know the truth. I know who I am in him. I know who he is. I'm growing in my knowledge and my understanding of him, and he's greater than I could ever fully understand. But I know when I, I know my relationship is secure as a son. That's true. But when I feel yeah, something's different, I go to him, and I don't care what this one, I go to the, and I just say, Lord, and I just plead the blood. I used to go through all the theological, do I need to, shouldn't I, am I not trying all the, that's the human wisdom. The relationship becomes important, puts all the theological boxes aside, and say, God, by the blood of Jesus, I am free. Cleanse me again, show me, wash me. Do I have to, don't I have to? You'd follow your own conscience. But I know what I do, and I know what sets me free. See, David said, purge me with hyssop. <laughs> In the Old Testament, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. He was a king. He was redeemed in a sense, prophetically. He was already saved. <sighs> the cleansing power of the blood, it's for right now. It's for today. It's for now. And for when you get home, it's for then. It's for, it's, you don't have to run around in fear now saying, if I don't... No. That's the enemy in your head. Walk in freedom. Be free. But I know this. When something is like weight on me, I know there's one way to get that weight off. That's the cleansing blood. It takes the guilt, the shame, a thousand pounds off my back. Nothing can do that but the blood of Jesus. When I pray for a drug addict, and I've prayed for many because I was one, I sometimes say, say this after me. They don't even know what I'm going to say. Say, Lord, I give you my shame. Oh, the tears. 
give you this weight. I give it to you. I can't do it. I, I don't want it. By the blood of Jesus, I am cleansed. I tell you, it's like someone takes a thousand pounds off their back. Repeat after me if you would like to. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me. And is cleansing me. I am cleansed right now. All the guilt is gone. The weight is gone. Because the blood cleanses. So by the blood of Jesus, I am clean right now. Yeah. That's the truth. That's the truth. Say it again and again. When you need to say it, say it. If you're the type of person that says it once and then it's forever fine, that's awesome for you. Teach me and help me. I just know that in the Hebrew, I mean in the Greek there, every verb in 1 John, that verse, every verb is in the continual present tense. You go study. Cleanse me, Lord. I'm cleansed, I'm justified. Cleanse me so that I know it. Feel the presence of the Lord. What about justification? Romans 9. I say this probably more than anything because when I had a revelation of the grace of God, it changed my life. Romans 5.1. I have peace with God because I'm justified. <laughs> I say it all the time. I've been justified by the blood of Jesus and I have peace with you, God. You and I, we're at peace because of the blood of Jesus. Say it with me. I have been justified by the blood of Jesus. And I have peace with God. The accuser has nothing on me. Do you believe that? <laughs> you will believe it more and more when you find it here. You can go through them all. We are out of time. The blood of Jesus sanctifies me. Sanctifies means to separate. By your blood, I, I say, by your blood. The Hebrews 13 says, go outside the gate and bear the reproach with the Lord. In other words, go outside of your culture. People are going to mock you, call you stupid. Go outside of your culture, bear that reproach. Lord, I come, I sanctify. I am separated by your blood. I don't care what people say anymore. I want your life. They have nothing to give me. I'm sanctified by the blood. You will find when you're mocked, when people cast your name out as evil and persecute you and revile you for my name's sake, Luke 6, you do that, energy, life comes. You go do it for communion. I encourage you. This, i be honest, I, we didn't do this enough for a number of years in this church. There were many reasons why, partly because I didn't want to cause people to just go through the motions when there was no faith attached. But this has become such a revelation to me. Such a revelation to me. I take this as often as I can. I don't want to say every day, but that's my intention here in the office. Because the Bible says that by the physical act of taking this, his life enters me. That's what it says. John 6, you go read it. What does it say? Your words are spirit and they are life. You know what the context of that is? He's actually speaking about not just all his words, and they are, but his context there, he says, the words that I'm speaking to you, that he's talking about, my flesh is food indeed, my, my blood is drink indeed. And he says, these words are spirit and life. And you take this, and physical life will begin to come. 
sustaining power, energy, physical healing in the body of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 11, for this reason many among you sleep. It says they eat communion, not discerning the Lord's body. That's not talking about the body of Christ. It's talking about his physical body, which was whipped with stripes by which you are healed. And he says, because they eat not discerning, many among you are weak, sick, and many die. Healing. There's so much we could go into. Somebody said this, God doesn't change your life when you get saved. He just gives you his own life. Big difference. Derek Prince said, there's more power in one drop of the blood of Jesus than there is in the whole kingdom of Satan. One drop. There's power, friends. I wish we could continue. But we can go on. Intercession. There's access. The word, one of the words is access. One of the words is intercession. The blood speaks on my behalf. That's a big deal. When the accuser comes, stand up and write something down. Something that makes sense to you. Something that's from scripture. Write it down and look at it and read it. Accuser, and actually don't even talk to him. It's not worth your time. Just pray. Just say, God, I am, I am cleansed. I am free. Because your blood, Jesus, in the high court of heaven, is speaking for me right now as my advocate. And I am free. Say it and say it. So, I think that's enough. Friends, the blood of Jesus Christ is all power. All the creative power of God. All the life of God is in the blood. You apply it with your confession when it's in your heart. With your confession, with your testifying. Hyssop is faith. Your faith looks like confession with a believing heart. It's that simple. People go, really? You'll be amazed, but they won't do it. They won't do it. They'll leave you going, wow. They go home and then they start to grill because that's what I'm going to do. And then, you know, and then it's, it's gone. The next time, what do they do? Oh, I need to get counseling. And, and that's great. Do this. Do this. You will be free. Watch your words. I'm going to play a song. We're over time. The song is about five minutes long. Could you guys, if you need to go get your kids, please do that. If you need to leave, please feel free. We're going to play a song about the blood of Jesus. Can we just listen to it? And I'm not sure if we'll make it all the way through because it, it's a little long, so I may cut it short. But then we can leave after that. Is that good? You're welcome to stand, to sit, to do whatever. I'm just Actually, why don't we quickly stand? I'm just going to pray for us. Father, I thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your blood. And we thank you that it is ever-present and it is alive and it has power and it is before, it is on the mercy seat and it is the finger of God, the power of the Spirit to sanctify, to redeem, to cleanse, to save. There is no demon that can come against the blood. We bless you, Lord. We are so grateful. I pray let the revelation of this sink deep into the people that whoever are in the hearing of my voice, let the revelation, the need, the interest, the desire for, the understanding of the blood of Jesus Christ. Return your people to your original source.
of power. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.